Hello, welcome to another fine edition of Chopped Greens. This is Give Me Five, the part of the show, the episode, where I've got five questions for Gary. He's got five questions for me. We don't know what they are, but we will answer them honestly. Gary Boucher is virtually next to me. Gary, I believe I went first last week, so why don't you go ahead and start out the show for us uh, this week? Yes, sir, an honorary of October Spooky Month and our last movie, Evil Dead. My first question to you, Philip, is if one of your loved ones had died and became possessed and you knew that the only way to actually kill the demon was to chop up said loved one with an axe... Could you do it? Because let me say, I was watching this movie with my loved one, and I said, babe, even if you were dead, I don't think I could chop you up. I think I would just let the demon kill me. <laughs> I, it depends on the, the family, because some of them I would do without even... <laughs> <laughs> just, just the, first, just the hint first. of suspicion. <laughs> yeah, just the hint of suspicion, just being like, you know, a better safe than sorry, swing. Uh, but no, no, for my, <laughs> for my immediate family, oh God, of course, I, I think... I think uh, there was a, a portion in Zombieland where they just had them locked up or like even in uh, Book of Eli, they had them locked up. I think maybe that's what I'd have to do just in the, God, in the just the infinitely small off chance. Just make sure that they're absolutely locked up. Make sure that there's no way that they can get out and, and kill me. But um, yeah, I think I it, it would be... It would be extremely hard. It it's it makes it easier if they're out and about and they're like running across an empty desert wasteland and like they're coming at me and there's no way to stop them. If that were the case, then then yeah, if it's me or them, I I, I feel confident in doing that. But otherwise, nah. Um. All right, Gary. This week I ended up watching Elton John's Rocket Man for the third time in my life, and I truly think it is one of my personal favorite biopics out there, uh, only topped by Jamie Foxx's Ray. Mm. Which biopic ranks as your top biopic of all time? Yeah, let me just give a shout out to Rocketman. Um, in terms of the musical biopics that come out the last few years, it is the most superior. I think it was really, really good. I was, pr- I did not expect much for whatever reason, and I was pretty blown away by how good it was. Yeah. Taron is amazing. They did a great job. I could spiel about this movie for a long time. Maybe we should do a Rocketman podcast. Anyways. Anyway, my favorite biopic, um, I would have to probably actually pick Steve Jobs, the Michael Fassbender one from 2015. Oh, the Michael. Wow. Yeah. The one that Sorkin wrote. It's pretty much just three long scenes. Each scene revolves around the announcement of another big Apple product. The final one being the iPad. It's like the first Mac. And then the next one where they bring Jobs back and then the iPad. And it's really just three long scenes with a little bit of stuff in between. And Fassbender, I think, is what makes it for me. And Sorkin's dialogue, it's really, really, really good. Might be too talky for some people, but probably my personal favorite. Wow. Yeah. I would have never suspected that. You're true. All right. So Sam Raimi, director of Evil Dead, also did the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man movies. The first two of which, especially number two, some of my favorite superhero movies. Um, I, I, I really enjoy those. The third one... But first, you're great. Too many supervillains. Exactly right. So, I want I I, I want to do a, a little uh, fight prediction here. Who would win in a fight between the Condarian demon from Evil Dead or Tobey Maguire as Spider-Man, but in the scene where he goes to do the cage fight, so he has powers, but he does not know what the hell he's doing yet. So, baby Spider-Man or evil Condarian demon? Who wins? Evil Kondarian Diamond, because at least even Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man has more brains than Ash, so it probably would possess him. And I, I, 
From all I've seen of Spider-Man, he can't stop the supernatural, so... Man, uh, I'm gonna go... Left and right here, man. <laughs> right there, right there. <laughs> Alright, Gary, in this week's shameless question that will only serve to satisfy us and no one else listening out there, I want resolution! I want resolution and an admission from you! You see, you may have forgotten, but you are dealing with one of the most subdued petty men in this world yes. that the world has ever seen. Gary, around this time last year, you came to me, and you offered me a chance to be in your fantasy basketball league. I then proceeded to dominate this league, rostering a starting lineup of Steph Curry, Devin Booker, Luka Doncic, Jason Tatum, and Bam Adebayo coming in to protect the rim and dish out for pick and rolls galore. Not to mention my bench was sick, but for the sake of time I shall abstain. Where the contention lies is you and me ended our season with identical records due to the NBA shutting the, the league and the season down due to COVID-19. But I want you to tell me in all honesty, Gareth Boucher, I was coming for you and would have been crowned champion over your team that had Trey Young, Jamal Murray, Chris Middleton, Giannis, and Andre Drummond. Tell me. Tell me truthfully, Gary. Who would have won? You know it. Wow. You know it. All right, so let me just say publicly, I, you know, definitely fell off the league, and we did finish with identical leagues, but I didn't check my lineups those last few weeks, so my squad was just that good, man. Okay, but straight up, okay, so you name drop Curry. Curry didn't play. I guess, well, he came back towards the end. Maybe he came back towards the end of the year, but I'd have to look at our full 1 through 15s. Um, you know that I have to stick my neck out for my boys, especially after Jamal Murray shredded everybody in the playoffs. Uh, Listen, I don't, I don't care whether you want to do this like in real, like if everybody was healthy. I don't care if you want to do it in fantasy because you know, so I'm, I'm trading out Steph up. for name, name your starting five again, real quick. My starting five. Uh, I've got uh, Curry, mm -hmm. Booker, Doncic, Tatum, and Bam Adebayo. And I had Trey Young, Jamal Murray, Chris Middleton, Giannis, and Drummond. Yes. Well, if we're going, I guess, your guys, besides Sands Curry, killed in the bubble. Obviously, Trey wasn't, oh. wasn't in the bubble. So, honestly, if we're going to go how the season wrapped up, I'd probably pick your squad because Bam, Tatum, Luka, and whoever your second guy was. I forget who he was. Doncic? Don yeah. <laughs> and oh, no. Booker. And Booker. Yeah, my bubble MVP as a Suns fan. Your, your squad probably beats my squad, um, but I guess we'll have to, like, double or nothing next year. Yes! To be fair, yeah, no. I mean, I, in all honesty, everybody else in our league completely just, it was, I was the only one who cared, so I felt like I deserved that championship. I for... cared, but let me just say 2020 has sucked in, in a lot of ways. I've been using this excuse, which is real. I had a surgery, so that... Everything that I have slept. you meaning the excuse is real it just doesn't pertain to you or you did have a surgery. No, I, I did have a surgery and so okay. it's a valid excuse But also I've been using that excuse for like three months too long like oh well, you know a few months back I had a surgery, so that's probably why it fell right. through <laughs> uh, Makes sense makes sense your turn Gary. All right, let me see. Yeah kudos kudos to your squad I'm, I'm excited for next year. So This is a great headline and endangered lemur went missing from a California zoo and turned up later at a church playground. This is a real thing that happened. A lemur escaped hmm. a zoo turned out at a playground. Personally, I love lemurs and all types of primates, but they could probably be pretty scary. So I wanted to ask you, what is your scariest animal encounter that you've ever had? Um, scariest animal encounter? Uh, so I, I go to Arizona 
Nice. And uh, I know, I know, it sets up nicely, but it was so boring. I mean, everybody go enjoy and, and have a good time there. But it, just for me, at my time in my life, I was an angsty teen, and I just was not enjoying family time stuck in a car, seeing bears that were sleeping the day away. But afterwards, we went to this petting zoo that they also host for free once you, it, it's an add-on. And so we go in there, and again, it's more of the same. I'm, I'm looking at goats that are wanting to eat my pocket and my keys. I mean, whatever. And so I just go ahead, and I finally find the mountain lions. I was like, oh, you know, even they're sleeping around, but I'll just wait ahead while the rest of my family catches up. And, uh, and it's so funny. Above these branches, I mean, they have everything in there. And, of course, since mountain lions can climb, at the base of the tree is plastic wrapping all around the tree so that way they can't climb out because they will otherwise do it. And so I'm watching these these two mountain lions just lounge around like you know Lion King just just resting. And all of a sudden you just hear you just hear this and you look oh, and in no. the middle in the middle of the of the, uh, the their terrain is this squirrel and it just like it's caught itself and it's just like it's like looking it's fleeting looking around. And I swear, to, like you, while you look at the squirrel, you look back up. Both of the the mountain lions are like perched. They are alert. Oh, they are right there. Dude. And it was just the most fascinating thing to see, like both these these mountain lions in real life go full Animal Kingdom, just Discovery Channel, like coordinate, just silently, just using their tails to like direct each other. And this poor squirrel never stood a chance because it, it tried, it hopped up into like the tallest reaches of the plastic, but oh. I mean, it couldn't get back up the tree. And a, as they finally emerged victorious, I looked to my left and there was my sister. And my mom caught up and caught a sense of what was going on and was like, oh, honey. And so on the way home, all of a sudden you just hear this this voice from the back of the car. So did the squirrel die? And, they're, and my mom was like, oh no, honey, they just played with him. And she's mm. like, the squirrel died. <laughs> <laughs> and then she watched Evil Dead and was continually horrified. Yeah, years later, she was like, squirrel, just the, the, all the, whatever it is. Oh, God, it was just absolutely disgusting. <laughs> Didn't know this was the podcast. It's apparently Philip's, like, sister's horrifying trauma that keeps coming up with the podcast, man. I know, I know. I, my, my sister's made a guest appearance, even though she didn't ask or want to. <laughs> All right, in this week's game, Gary, I have noted that the film we reviewed last, The Evil Dead, uh, the liquids put forth were just nonstop and reminded me of horchata or milk, mm -hmm, whatever. Mm -hmm. So I want to bring up a couple of movies. You tell me whether or not there was an appearance made by milk in the film or not. Oh, my God. All right? <laughs> All right, Napoleon Dynamite. Was there milk in the film? 100% there was. I, 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 is that because you think you're fat? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, Napoleon uses the milk Deb is drinking as his wingman, saying she could drink a higher fat version of milk. All right, you're one for one. This is one of the uh, better questions I think you've had. This is great. <laughs> I've ever had. This is this is your favorite one. There we go. All right, it gets harder from here. Catch me if you can. Oh is there milk? Um. Okay, one. How did you find out? Um, two. I'm gonna say yes. It's an old. Like he plays someone you know from a few decades ago. They probably drink a lot of milk. I'm gonna guess yes. All right. No, there oh. is, though there is a moment where Frank asks for a glass of milk before flight takes off, though it never makes its big screen presence known. So you're one and one. All right, next one. Did you watch all the like, 30 movies <laughs> <laughs> to find out? You would be astounded by what you can find on the internet. All right, next. The Taking of Pelham 123 starring Denzel Washington and John Travolta. 
Is there milk, Gary? Can you give me a three-second plot summary? Oh. Oh. Um, it's uh, John Travolta and Denzel Washington are on polar opposite sides where John Travolta plays the bad man taking, the, taking hostage of a, of a subway train in New York for oodles of money and Denzel Washington's the everyday man who who is on the other end who will only be the medium between him and the cops who are endlessly being outsmarted by John Travolta. John Travolta probably kills a guy and drinks milk as like some twisted moment so I'm gonna say yes there is milk. Yes a whole gap although you're very wrong on on how but <laughs> yes there's a whole gallon of it as a matter of fact at the end when Denzel's character finally makes it home uh, with a full gallon of lactose. All right, the mule, Clint Eastwood's boring the mule. Is there milk? Um, he's in Texas. I know this is like I'm not purposely doing this, but thinking of you know I never saw the movie, all the trailers that I saw. I, I think that there's probably I think Clint drinks milk in that movie. I mean he is old. He's, he's got brittle dude, bones. Yeah. Uh, but no, even though the movie is a slow slog, there is no refreshing dare, dairy to spell the doldrums. All right, Gary, I don't know if you've been keeping track, but I have. You are two and two. So this is it. This, this determines whether or not you win this week's Gimme Five Lego. All right, finally, Singing in the Rain. Is there milk in Singing in the Rain? That's tough, man. That's that's an old one, and so, you know, milk was everywhere in, in the media. You've already, you've already stated that old you already associate with exactly. milk. Exactly. Let's see. Man, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna break my streak here. I'm, I know that you, you're in my head right now, as you like to be, but I, I'm gonna go with my gut and say, no, there's no milk and singing in the rain. Gary, it is my absolute pleasure to say that you are wrong. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> yes, there is, there is milk, but while there's no glass or gallon of it, it does actually show up in Gene Kelly's titular moment. Since pure water is hard to catch on camera, it is assessed that milk was added so audience could decipher the raindrops falling on those dancing shoes of Gene Kelly's. Let me just say yeah. that you also called it a titular moment. Okay, my turn. Your yeah. turn. <laughs> Your very immature turn. <laughs> I was like, Phil, what a subtle pun. Um, okay, so Nicki Minaj just released the gender of her newborn. And ah. I'm, I'm definitely along the lines of, okay. But this, this got me thinking about gender reveals, right? And ah, the yes. crazy time we're living in where people are going all out, you know, Sam Raimi and Evil Dead style to do their gender reveals. One even started a wildfire in Arizona. You heard about yeah. that, right? Uh, in, ca in California. In California, yeah. So yeah. the next one, who knows, it could start the, the freaking apocalypse at this point. I don't know. So I just want to know, what is your opinion on these over-the-top gender reveals? Some people are like, you do you, boo. I love it. I'm not about it because I don't get the point. Uh, you know, I, before a, a lot before 2020, I was against any and all gender reveals. Well, on the smallest of scales, if you just if you want to make it like a a moment or something, enjoy. But now, since 2020, I guess I'm avidly against any that start wildfires. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> I guess if it reaches below that threshold enjoy but i still find it absolutely i i might let's put it this way i myself will neither make attend or be a part of a gender reveal speak party it, speak it yes sir let it be known on this podcast that philip amarine is against wildfires 
can't cancel him. I, you know that's him. that's my that's my stance, and I'm I'm sticking. I'm unapologetically behind no on wildfires. <laughs> Forget you, Yogi, or whatever the 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 other bear, not Yogi, the other bear. All right, but it is funny that you should bring up Nicki Minaj because her her uh, her partner in crime sometimes, and they they go head to head. But Drake? Cardi B of WAP acclaim has had a very public relationship with Migos member Offset. The two have a two-year-old daughter named Culture with a K. Just wanted to say that. Cardi And Cardi recently filed for a divorce from Offset, but in only weeks since that development, was seen kissing Offset for at her 28th birthday party. Obviously, Cardi has had a hard time to commit to the quit. Gary, has there been a relationship that you went back to the well too many times that had its ups and downs? Mm, um... I've been in a lot of relationships. Some of them have been long, and <laughs> wait, a, what a humble brag! I've been in multiple <laughs> relationships. Many, many say. men, women, and others receiving votes have have had the pleasure of being in a relationship with one Gareth Boucher. Just say that I've been with like thirty women. Um, no, I am very much of the. I, I, of course, I've been tempted to, but I've never slipped. I don't think and let myself do that. I've wanted to, but I'm. Ultimately, I'm like, if it's done, it's done, and I know deep down that it's just gonna hurt even more. If it ended once, it's probably gonna end again, and so I try to fill my time after with hobbies and you know other people in greener pastures and yeah, yeah surgeries or, or drum sets, you know? <laughs> exactly, man. Impulse buys, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right, your turn, Gary. So we talked a little bit about it in in a podcast a few days ago, but Evil Dead had a really terrible. Uh, vibe of a production for, for the entire cast and crew like oh, yeah. they were all living in that cabin there was like 10 people living <laughs> in there he got all of his friends to do it the actors were getting hurt they were broken bones they were contact lenses that were thick putting directly onto their eyeballs and it almost fell apart i guess like everyone was pissed off at each other they were arguing the entire time it sounds like a nightmare i want to know you've been in many plays tell me about a time you were in a production that was a complete nightmare and almost went off the rails well yeah, so so it almost went off the rails, but it wasn't it it would probably be more of like how you perceived it where the Evil Dead was a success. Yeah. Um it was a success, but it just the the process. So, um I was in a production of Beauty and the Beast and when I tell you that I I didn't have uh, I didn't have the set wasn't built. I didn't have my full costume and some people were still forgetting lines to the last tech rehearsal. The last tech rehearsal, we didn't have it. And for as far as like the costume, I didn't have my full costume until the end of that run. And we just made it work somehow. But my goodness, like everything that could possibly go wrong with the show went wrong. Yep. I, I oh, even, even in that rehearsal, I was walking around and uh, and you know acting you know because you know you're a beast you got to be a little animalistic so I'm walking around and on fours and uh, earlier I was I was in football practice and uh, I did something to my neck I don't know what it was to this day I think I just pulled something and I pulled like a neck muscle and so I went to a hurt right there, man. <laughs> I did I did and I didn't have nearly as good of drugs as he did but. I, I went to rehearsal, and by the time I got to re to rehearsal from practice, my neck just was unable to go f 
to to fully uh, extend in its natural up position. And so I'm stuck for the remainder of rehearsal. Like it, it was so painful because my my neck was stuck at this as close to like a 180 degree as it could while still like kind of being up. And I, but it, it also hurt to fully lay it on oh my, my shoulder. God. So I, I was levitating here. And so I was in this this hell of just not being able to extend because it hurt because any 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 extending the full way would just have this sharp pain down and then going all the way and then i was also having this dull pain of un being unable to like to have my neck being almost exercised by holding it in this awkward position luckily one of the uh one of the fellow members in the cast had a chiropractic dad who was a chiropractor and gave me some relief but even the drive home that night like over the bumps, over the speed oh, bumps no. we had was just, was just one of the worst experiences. Everything about that experience was just, was horrible outside of the actual performances and the crew and everything. But like say, technically, I, I was expecting just a story about the play, but then you throw in Phil's voodoo ne neck injury to that. Oh, it was just, it was tremendously bad. Oh, was this at uh, what, all right? Was this at, at school at North Point? This happened all together? No, it was not. It was not. Gotcha. Um. All right, a month after receiving their Super Bowl rings, one of the Kansas City Chiefs is already putting up their prized merchandise on the auction block. Wow. According to TMZ, Mike Weber, uh, who was a practice squad member for the Chiefs during their run, has his ring for sale. The starting bid was placed at 35000 but last checked was at 55000 with more than two weeks to go. Gary, would you ever sell your championship merchandise if you had been a player fortunate, fortunate enough to win a trophy? And... Would you ever buy an authentic piece of championship jewelry if you had that much money to burn? First question, I would absolutely not sell it. I know that one of the hardest things you can do as a person is win a pro sports championship. It's incredibly rare. It's a, it's a, it's a club of, you know, a few hundred or a few thousand people ever who have done that. So I guess, I, I mean, you see people fall on hard times, but this guy just won. I mean, he's got to be like in the middle of his career. What, what does he need that money for? I mean, I don't know. He's he's around. I th I think I looked at his age, and he's about twenty three. Can he go sign like an um, endorsement with like a local business and make that money in like a week? What what the heck, man? Man, I don't know. But that, would it make a difference to you at all if you were like LeBron and just raining rings at this point in your life? I would. Oh man, I I can't speak for him. I you know for him specifically, he would never. Um, yeah, no, I, of course I, not. I I would never ever part. But I'm saying if you had like five rings or something, does that make a difference? No, I know. But okay. I, I don't know what it's like to be successful in sports, honestly. So <laughs> this is me uh, very much hypothesizing here. But also, if I had the funds, I would totally, totally buy championship merchandise. Absolutely. None of my favorite teams have really ever won a championship. Hey, you, but, could, uh, you could buy a Monty Williams's Coach of the Bubble Award. Come on, man. I don't don't lay down. 100% by the bubble award and then i would have him over for dinner and we talk about wine and basketball and it'll be a great time and he'd help me pick my fantasy so that next year i could crush everybody yeah you, you were just lucky with Giannis. all right continue <laughs> your turn that's uh that's it that's all five man that's it oh that's, that's all it. that's all your that's five all, folks all right that's right i forgot that you <laughs> you started us out all right uh well if that's it for you, then that's it for me. Then that's it for the show. That's all, folks. So <laughs> that's all five. All right. Thank you so much to everybody for listening. Make sure to continue on to listen next week. We are going to, well, we can't say it five times, but I'll just say it just the once. We are going to watch Beetlejuice. Beetlejuice. And Beetlejuice <laughs> uh, for the 
Uh, it'll be my first time. I think it's Gary's first time. I don't know. We'll get we'll get into that next week when it comes up. Thank you so much for listening. Continue to listen. Subscribe. Enjoy the podcast for Gestissimist Emeritus Gary Boucher. Oh, you're still on this. I thought we we <laughs> a couple days later we get off time, this. Man. Yeah. Oh gosh. <laughs> I'm Philip Amrine. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, enjoy. Enjoy.